When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. This is Dutch Allen, and this is a special episode of Inside Tinseltown, and you've got Go Picture, friends. That's right. It's been a long time since I've sat down and done a full episode. They bring me in for these little segments now, which are fine. Uh, they didn't dock my pay, because I don't think legally they could, but um, I'm happy to have, stretch my legs a little bit here. And uh, more importantly, i got to tell you, i got to tell you, more than anything, I'm so happy to be in the same location as my pal Petey. Petey, how you doing? Oh, Dutch, this is just the best day of my life. It is so good to see you. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, hey, best day of your life there, Petey. I'll take that. It's good to see you, too. I only come in here, sometimes you're not even here when I record some of the segments that they bring me in for, and then they clamp me down. They only give me a certain amount of time. It's, it's troubling there, but Petey, it's so good to see you there. We got to get a steak after this. Smokehouse is back up and running there. We can go get a nice, uh, get ourselves a nice steak, a basket of cheese toast, and just talk about life. How does that feel, Petey? How does that sound? to you. Oh, Dutch, that would be, uh, that would be just great. I, you know, I'm not allowed to talk to the host outside of the office much these days, so, uh, I, that'd be a lot of fun. Well, that's just a shame because, Peter, you are a peach to talk to. But you mentioned the host here, and now let's, uh, let's talk about why I'm here. Uh, uh this is kind of a pinch hit, uh, experience here. I'm like a Manny Mota for you old baseball fans that like pinch hitters. A little more modern reference would be Lenny Harris. Maybe if you're an 80s baseball fan, Greg Gross. He was a good pinch hitter, too, for the Philadelphia Phillies. I got to tell you that the, the Philadelphia cheesesteak is an overrated sandwich. It's messy, it's obscene, and I just don't like it. Uh, but the reason I'm here, I'll tell you right now, is the regular host of the regular program, the Saturday Night Napsock radio program hosted by uh, Ken Napsock there, is uh, kind of uh, on an unexpected hiatus again because Ken been real sick there. And it's not, I'm assured, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure, uh, I don't know, I'm not rooting against the guy, but I guess it's not the big uh, the big sickness, it's not that, it's just he came back from New York City, which is a, a great time of year to go to New York, by the way, he was there in early October, I hear. Uh, he came back with a little bit of a, a cough that wouldn't go away, um, uh, but everything else fine, he had no fever, no chills, no nothing, just this bronchitis, which is an old enemy of his, I'm told, um, and so they, they said, Dutch, how would you like to come into the show here, and they wanted me to host like Saturday Night Napsock, and I said, let me tell you something, let me check my driver's license here, and I slowly pulled it out, and I so look at that. Uh, my name is uh, uh, Dutch Bartholomew Allen, and it's not Napsack. So I just, I just, I, it wouldn't be right for me to, to step into that show Saturday Night Napsack. I don't mind doing the segments on it there. It's good to be part of a team. It's good to be wanted. But this is uh, my show, Inside Tinseltown, which actually was on the, the, this station before Saturday Night Napsack became whatever the 
hell it is there. So uh, there it is. There you have it. I'm here. We're going to do a little chit-chat. we got a little go-picture recommendation. I'm going to do some Hollywood memories. We're going to have a great time there. Uh, and so I appreciate that there. appreciate the powers that be uh, bringing it back there. Um, any word on Ken there, Petey? Is he going to be back to normal programming soon? Uh, I, heard he, I heard he got pretty sick. Uh, to be honest, I haven't. I, I didn't really check up on him. Is that right? You didn't uh, you, uh, you didn't send him like a postcard, a get well uh, soon teddy bear or something like that? Uh, last summer, I got really sick with the flu, and uh, Ken actually showed up to the hospital with recording gear uh, so that I, quote, wouldn't miss a day to prove I know how to work hard. Jesus, son of what? That's outrageous there. Well, let me tell you something. This uh, Kenny Napsok's a good kid. He's a good kid deep down inside, but I, I've, I've known of him for a while. I've been around his orbit for a little bit. Uh, a couple times there's some people tried to cast him in a picture, and I said, no, um, he doesn't really have acting chops, but uh, I'll tell you what, uh, he's... He's a good guy. He's a good kid, but he's troubled. He's got some stuff deep down inside. And I'll tell you the reason why. Uh, Kenny Napsok there, for a while, reached uh, a certain height, a certain level of success uh, doing uh, the, the news, the movie news updates on the Schmoes No Movies picture show, uh, whatever that was called. I didn't, uh, I didn't go around much for that. I made it. I made an appearance or two on that, uh, but uh, not a lot of people remember that. Uh, and so uh, he he reached some. I don't want to say fame. I think in his mind, it was some level of fame doing the movie news. But he grew tired of it. And so he grew to resent it. And, and he stepped away from it. And uh, I think he feels a lot of people think that's the only thing he did. And it, it kind of burns him there. And it's a resentment that kind of runs deep. And it kind of has fested like a wound, uh, like a like a head wound or something. I had a head wound once in 1984. I got into a street fight uh, out here in uh, Burbank, California, which is normally something that wouldn't happen. But I got to tell you, it happened. And uh, I don't even remember what it was about. It was at a bar over here called the Good Night Bar. And good night, it did. I was knocked out, had a head wound, and that thing fested. But it ended up, I only missed two weeks worth of work. And I'll tell you that much. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think it fested and it grew inside. Kenny, and I think he just he's become a uh, cantankerous, uh, grumpy man because uh, he he's viewed, uh, he feels as though he's viewed as a one-trick pony, and he wants to do other things, but people still want him to yell the news, and uh, you know, hey, Tom Cruise today, he's short, and I just, I just don't think he, he was there anymore, I don't think he resents doing that, I don't think he resents people liking that, I just think it, he resents people only seeing that side of his career, and I think... I think it burns. But I'll tell you what, I think sometimes it's not there as much as he thinks it is, and it's all in his head. He's a head case. That's the other day. Kenny Epsock's a head case. You know what I mean, Petey? I mean, you got my vote the next election. <laughs> That's right. It's great, Petey. Oh, you're hilarious there. I got to tell you, though, here, I, I miss New York here. By the way, let me clinkety-clink. Hmm. <sighs> Hear that clinkety clink, that sip. Sorry, this is probably a, that was an aggressive sip there. Almost, uh, uh, almost uh, adult entertainment level sip there. I got to be careful. Uh, here with the Kenny Napsack went to New York. I haven't been there in a bit. Obviously, with the pandemic, I kind of travel. And I am of, a, of an older generation, let's say. So sometimes it puts me in a more compromised group. I've got both shots. Don't be a fool. Get poked twice. Uh, do it a third time if you want there. Always get poked. That's what I say. Uh, and so, uh, I, you know, I haven't been to New York in a while. Well, but I miss it. Oh, I miss New York, Petey. 
We shot a lot of pictures out there. You know, I was I was a consulting producer on When Harry Met Sally. And I was actually out there at Washington Square Park when they shot that scene where Harry and Sally uh, kind of drove to New York together in the summer of 79 or whatever it was from Chicago. And they dropped each other, or she dropped him off in the car. You remember that scene? He pulls out his baseball bat in his bag. And, and that's at Washington Square Park there around that area. I used to love just walking around. But about 89, it was great. It was a great time to be there. And it's been a long time. I got to say, one of, one of my biggest memories, Peter, do you, do you mind if I, I know we got a show to get to, uh, but do, would you mind if I share some more memories there of uh, my time in New York? I mean, I've never been asked my opinion on this show. I'm just the producer. I'm not even supposed to be on air that much. Uh, go ahead. Do, do what you want, Dutch. This is just uh, it's a lot of fun for me to be treated like a human again. Treated like a human? You're one of my favorite humans. I'll tell you that much there. So, yeah, um, yeah, one of my favorite times, I got to tell you. We got some great bourbons here today. It's Boone's Bourbon is what we're drinking there. Tyler Boone, singer-songwriter type. He's an, he's an okay cat. I like that guy. Uh, so uh, I, I, I remember one time. It was in 1982. Uh, this was uh, around 82, early. I think we're coming out of the winter here in 82. I can't remember that exactly. Uh, but when you get older, you want to always remember the little details you had. You know what I mean there, Petey? Yeah, you, 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 you're so, it burns you if you don't get the details right. I'm telling a story that happened on January 11th, 1982. And if you're ahead, if you remember that, it's great. If you forget it and it was actually January 13th or worse, March, you get upset. And it sticks in your craw the rest of the night. People don't understand it. And young people make fun of old people for telling stories like that. But that's just the way it is. Uh, so, yeah, we were there. Uh, I was hanging out. Uh, with my pal Dustin Hoffman. And Dusty was shooting that film, Tootsie, uh, which uh, is a great film, by the way. It's a Sidney Pollock film. And I don't know, you know, it's a, it's a pre- it's got a premise that I don't know if you would greenlit now. A man dresses as a woman to get a part. I don't think that's the problem. But I think there's some sensitivity around that kind of thing these days, which I, I understand. And I'm not here to perpetuate any any uh, myths or any problems. Uh, I, 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 I just think you, you want to make that picture with a little more care and concern. But it's a good picture. And it's got a good hot. And if you got a hot, you got a picture. That's what I always used to say in the meetings back in the day. They'd say, Dutch, we're going to pitch you a film. And I'd be like, all right, what do you got? And they'd start listening off. Uh, we're going to get Tony Curtis. We're going to get Jack Lemmon. I said, I, I, I don't want to hear that. Curtis, Lemon, I could take him. I could throw him. I, what I want to hear, does your picture have heart? You got heart, you got a picture. And off, more often than not, people wouldn't know, uh, they wouldn't remember to put the heart in. And that's why I don't say you've got go picture as much as I, I would want to. I Every meeting I take, that's why a lot of people, I've been in the Hollywood picture business for so long, and I'm retired now. I just kind of hang around there. Uh, people come to me, maybe some advice. That's why I switch doing these kind of shows there. But I got to tell you, a lot, of, a lot of people don't understand is, uh, you know, I I want to say, every time I take a pitch, every time I would take a meeting, I wanted to say, go picture. There's nothing that made me happier than saying, go picture, other than vacation sex with a third wife, because every time we did that, there was always some stranger involved, and uh, we I like making new friends. So, uh, anyways, going back to uh, me and Dusty, Dusty Hoffman, sitting in the uh, uh, a diner. We were in a diner there in the East Village. Remedy Diner was the name of it there. And I, do, I don't remember what he ordered, but I remembered I ordered some flapjacks that bordered on ridiculous in terms of size and uh, definitely uh, in terms of taste because they were just ridiculously good. And I would just sat there 
Dusty and I got there. I call him Dusty. Not a, lot of, not a lot of people call him Dusty, but Dusty and I got there. And he was a little he was a little concerned about if he was pulling off this picture, playing this Tootsie role, of he was pu- playing a woman um, with uh, care, concern, and respect, which was something that was powerful uh, for him uh, in his mind. He wanted he wanted to reach those standards. He didn't just want to be doing some uh, some kind of um, you know, uh, for lack of a better term, drag humor from back in the day. He just didn't want to do that. He wanted to bring again heart to the picture. And he was concerned if. We didn't know if it was working. And you had that guy, uh, Billy Murray. Billy Murray from uh, Saturday Night there, Lorne Michaels' old comedy show, which I understand is still going. Uh, he, uh, you know, Billy Murray was kind of making that transition at that time. Because a lot of people, he's a meatballs guy, he's a stripes guy, he's a ghostbuster. But he was, uh, you know, he, he remember that picture? You, uh, Petey, you remember that picture? What was it called? The Weather Buffalo Rome. Do you remember that one? Uh, no, no. I remember uh, Caddyshack. Right, right. Right? That's that's what I'm saying. Most people, most people remember, when you think of Billy Murray, you think of those type of pictures. Maybe later you get in his, uh, his old man, grumpy old man phase uh, with uh, like, a, like a Rushmore, that picture from Rushmore. Actually, I like that Rushmore picture. I saw it in an independent movie theater in Chatsworth, California. I got to tell you, I wasn't sure I walked into the right theater uh, in Chatsworth, California. But, uh... Dustin wasn't sure if he was clicking with Billy Murray. It was a different style, and I think Billy was trying to stretch himself. And my point is, I got off track there. But where the Buffalo Rooms was uh, the picture where he played uh, uh, Hunter S. Thompson, and he got all serious. He all got got, got moody. He was I remember I remember talking to some people. I, I knew Daddy Aykroyd uh, back in the day, and he was getting ready to step out of uh, Saturday Night NBC Saturday Night, and uh, he said Billy was shooting the picture uh, where the Buffalo Rome, and he was taking the role too seriously. And I, I think by the time Billy Murray got to got to Tootsie there. Uh, I think Sidney Pollack did a great job of focusing him as an actor. Uh, Pollock, the, uh, the director, rest in peace, Sidney. Uh, and, and I think Dustin was a little concerned about it and a lot of concern about the picture. And we sat down. We got there about 11 p.m. on, a, I think it was like a Tuesday night. It might have been a Wednesday. I'll keep myself up uh, with those details later. And I ordered I ordered a Denver omelet, which I always love. I don't love the city of Denver, but I do love the omelets. And I'm not even sure if the omelets are from Denver. I think that's just a name they uh, put on them there which isn't a bad name to get, but uh, again, uh, Denver's an okay city. Too high for me, quite frankly, too high. So, um, uh, you know, we sat down about 11 p.m. We ordered food. I I ordered those flapjacks, like I said, a Denver omelet, flapjacks, uh, side of bacon there, because why not, if you're going to die, do it in grandeur, uh, grand style. Uh, And we sat there, we just talked. Dusty and I talked until the sun came up. And then they came and asked us, uh, we'd finished our meal, we'd just been sipping coffee, staying up all night. I may have had a whiskey about 3 a.m., but uh, who's telling? <laughs> who's telling, Petey? Not me. Not me. And we we were there for so long that the the people at the diner, this, this Remedy Diner over in East Village, uh, off of uh, Ludlow, near Ludlow, nearby there in New York there, uh, and, and uh, was that Hudson? Hudson or Houston? Is it Houston or Hudson? I don't know. The Both of them are in the city there. Uh, and so we... Uh, we, we were there so long, they came to us and said, would you guys also like to order breakfast? And you know what I did, Petey? Petey, do you know what I did? Um, I'm going to guess ordered breakfast, Dutch. Hot, hot damn, Petey, you're good. I ordered breakfast. That And that's what I love about New York. They weren't concerned. They didn't call the squatters. One time I had a meeting at a Denny's in Pasadena, California. I was taking a meeting with a young writing team. And uh, the waiter at one point was being very nice to our faces. Then I heard her tell the manager, I got a couple squatters over there. Because we had finished our meal a long time ago. And we were just sipping coffee and talking about the Hollywood picture business and to see if we could find some hot in the 
this proposed picture these kids were were working on, and I I know I, I she didn't know that I heard that, but Dutch hears Dutch hears things. They used to call me back in the day, microphone ears, which I don't even know if that was. I don't know if that makes sense technically, but um, I could pick up anything. And I heard this way to say to the manager that I got a couple squatters in the corner there. Offensive. It was offensive. So in New York, they don't do that there. They just came up to us and said, you guys have been here a long time. I said, yeah, what of it? They said, well, we'd like to know. Would you like to order breakfast? And that's what I did. I ordered another round of flapjacks and another omelet. This time, no bacon. I went with the sausage because I'm not an animal. Uh, if, if it's uh, 7 a.m., you got to have sausage there. Uh, and I got to tell you, it was a great time. I love New York because of that kind of stuff. I've had some bad memories there. There was a time in 1978, I got uh, in a screaming match with Billy Martin. He was the manager of the Yankees there for most of the season. Now, there was a, a brief period of time. Uh, Billy Martin went about, he went about 52 and 42, and the Yankees were looking okay. They had won the World Series in 77 against the Dodgers. Uh, Billy Martin was uh, looking okay, and he got he got fired. Dick Hauser took over for one game. Ah, oh, the late, great Dickie Hauser. Uh, and then Bob Lemon, who's, uh, you know, Lemon was okay. I think Lemon at times, personality-wise, was a lemon. If you, I don't mean to do wordplay there. Uh, but Billy Martin and I, he was a spitfire. We were good friends. When he passed away Christmas Day, 1989, I just had, I was, it was a sad day when he, he got that call. But I got to tell you, Billy Martin and I, uh, in New York, we got in a giant fist fight. A giant fist fight, I'm telling you. One for the ages in the hotel lobby uh, there in, uh, in the lower side of uh, the lower east uh, Bronx area there, not too far from the stadium. And uh, I can't even remember what the argument was about, if I'm being honest. I think it might something. It might have been because the Yankees were doing okay. But I was like, you got Cliff Johnson as your DH. When you got, you've got some power on the bench there. I like some of those players I had down there. Um, you know, you got your your Roy Whites and your Jim Spencers. And I thought Jim Spencer was an underrated player. And Spencer, I think, finished that year with seven home runs. But he played with the California Angels, and I'd been out there watching him uh, come up with the Angels there. Uh, and uh, he won a Gold Glove out there. He was good he was a good player and uh, when I was making the pictures I go down to the old uh, the old Wrigley Field uh, not the not the one in Chicago there but the one the uh, California Angels were playing at when they started and Jim Spencer was there but here he is years later almost 10 years later and he's with the he's with the Yankees there and uh you know he had seven home runs you know, he was a little injured there but I thought you you bet you betching him for people like Cliff Johnson no disrespect to Cliff Johnson and Martin and I would we got in a shout match over that and he said don't you tell me how to manage the team I play Billy Ball, and that's what I play. Next thing you know, Pow Wu Zammy, Billy Martin, and I were scrawling around, uh, fighting, punching, slapping, kicking all around the hotel lobby before. Now, I will say this. They let it go for a few minutes. I think people were hoping I would win. Um, uh, well, I, I didn't necessarily win. They pulled us apart, but I won in two other ways. Petey, here's how I won. You want to know how I won my fight with Billy Martin back in 78? I am dying to know, Dutch. <laughs> you're, you're so sweet. How could anyone be mad at you, Petey? I won in two ways. Billy Martin, shortly after, was fired by George Steinbrenner, the New York Yankees front office there. And more importantly, 1979, a year later, you know who hit 23 home runs for the Yanks? Jim Spencer. That's right. Big season in 79. Now, Yankees didn't go to the World Series there. Ironically, uh, uh, the Angels almost got there, but it was uh, the Orioles and uh, Pirates there, right? The We Are Family era Pirates there. Anyways, I love baseball. I love the Yankees. And I love Billy Martin. I don't want anyone to hear this conversation, hear the story, and think I don't love Billy Martin. I do love Billy Martin. We just got in a big fight. And uh, in a weird way, 
I won, but I do miss him. All right, we are going to get on with the show here. We've got ourselves, uh, is that, is that, uh, we got ourselves a, a, what's called an ad read. I've done some of these before. They drop them into the other show, but uh, you want me to read this little uh, this ad here? Petey's giving me a thumbs up. I know Petey's shy sometimes. On my show, he never, never really used to talk here. Uh, but uh, on the Knapsack show, I hear you talking all the time there. Uh, uh, why does he do that? Why does he bring you in? I just think he likes to publicly torment me. What a monster. Petey, that's a monster. We need to get you another job. All right, so uh, we got ourselves a Patreon ad read is what we've got on here. Hi, everybody. I'm Dutch Allen. Thank you for listening to the program here. It's Inside Tinseltown with me, Dutch Allen. You've got Go Picture, but also you've got a great opportunity to support the show by going to patreon.com slash Now, don't type Kenny Napsock. I call him that. Apparently, he doesn't like that. Kidnapsuck it is. Patreon.com slash Kidnapsuck. You get exclusive shows over there. You get access to the Discord server where you all can hang out and, and make friends with each other there. Uh, and uh, then you got special things coming. There's a new show. Uh, Kenny has a new show I heard uh, called... Uh, what? There's no G on this, Petey. You just it's re- read it as is, okay? Um, it is uh, Pop Rockin', no G on that, so Pop Rockin' Radio on something called Mixcloud. It's a radio music show there. And uh, on Patreon, uh, if you like that show, if you listen to the radio program with the music, uh, you go over to Patreon there, and Ken will give you an exclusive episode of uh, it, just little st- uh, stories behind the stories of the songs and the song selection. Uh, I know recently when saw my friends over in the Rolling Stones. I love, by the way, I'm so sad Charlie Watts isn't with us anymore. Charlie and I would every time we'd be around each other, I'd go follow the Stones around a little bit there. And I actually uh, was there at the party uh, when Mick Taylor left the band. He, he just quit in the middle of a party. And they, no joke, they turned to Ronnie Wood, who had been uh, wooden the faces, and they said, you want to be in the band? And he said, yeah, I was at that party. But Charlie Watts and I used to just sit down and have a good uh, a cup of, uh, of, of a quality uh, English tea and talk about life. And uh, he wasn't a rock drummer. He was just a, a great human, and he's gone. But uh, Kenny went and saw the Rolling Stones, and he told a story uh, about that and about his experiences there. He also does uh, a show called The Knapsack uh, Files Diaries, The Knapsack Diaries, where he talks about when he goes on the road to do a stand-up comedy, which I got to imagine is not that funny. Uh, he uh, tells the stories there. And all that there, anyway, I don't, I'm getting off track here. All that there, uh, reading the notes, is on patreon.com slash catnapsack. So uh, go ahead and do that. And he's got new things coming. He said he's got some new things coming on his own personal personal YouTube channel. He's going to fire up the Twitch channel again. Uh, he's got uh, some new things coming, so stay tuned for that. All right. Uh, that sounds good. Now, we've got... Uh, let me take a sip of this here. Fine whiskey. Mm. Number six in the world, they say, about this Boone's Bourbon. Mm. Love that there. Love that. All right. Let me talk about it. Let me... Uh, Let's do this here. We got this next segment. Uh, do I, you, you, you want to take a break there, Petey? We're just, we're just going to go on into this. I say just go on into it, Dutch, because uh, then both of us could get out of here early. It'd be the first time I, I leave at a normal work time. Uh, uh, that'd be awesome. It'd be great. My, uh, w- my wife hasn't seen me uh, earlier than 6 p.m. on a weeknight in uh, two years. That's horrendous. Which, uh, which number of wife is this, Petey? Uh, my, my only one. My, my only one. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying you're married to like multiple people at the same time, all right? I tried that once in 74 for about a week. It's, it's, it's cool for about two hours, uh, if you know what I mean. Uh, so, uh, yeah, what, no, no, what number of marriage is this? 
Well, that that's what I mean, Dutch. It's it's my only one. It's it's my number one and my only one. I'll be damned. That is sweet as a Neil Sedaka song. Is what I say. That is. That's your only one. That's cute. That's cute. All right. Well, that's a shame. Get home to your wife. Let's do this here. We got a segment we call here, Go Picture with Dutch Allen. It's a movie recommendation from me, Dutch Allen, movie producer extraordinaire, retired, but still in the business, if you know what I mean, watching it from my uh, my uh, house now, if you're uh, you know, watching on my big screen TV at home. I don't get out to the movie theaters as much. I do miss that. It's a fun experience, but a lot of dirty people there. And I'm not talking about it in a sexy way. I'm talking about these ragamuffins are dirty, dirty, loud people. So I don't see movies and theaters as much as I used to. All right, so here's your day. Because of Dutch Allen's connections to the golden age of Hollywood, I know a lot of people expect these movie re- recommendations to be of the older variety. Uh, but I'm going to go with one that's relatively uh, recent from the last decade. It's 1996, Multiplicity. What? What, Petey? You, you're making hand signals. Uh, well, you, you just you just said last decade, 1996, being in the last decade. That's uh, it's It's like 25 years ago. Holy moly, you're right. I gotta tell you something. When you reach a certain age, time has no meaning. The 90s were 20 years ago. Holy moly, that's, I've been referring to it as the last decade for like two decades now. All right, I'll, I'll correct that. But yes, uh, I am recommending 1996's Multiplicity. It's a comedy starring Michael Keaton and Andy McDowell, uh, directed by Harold Ramis. Uh, Now, I mentioned before I uh, knew Billy Murray back in the day. We didn't talk as much over the years. He's he's an interesting cat, to say the least. But I was also friends with Harold Ramis. They came to me uh, to talk about some of the stuff they did with the Ghostbusters pictures and the Ghostbusters sequel and and so on, so on. So I knew both of them there, and they're both great cats. Of course, Harold Ramis is no longer with us there. May he rest in peace. But I I love this movie because I actually was around uh, during this time. I I stopped by the set. They shot a lot of stuff out here. They shot a lot of stuff at that uh, that, uh, museum up on the hill there, Beverly Hills area, the Getty. There was stuff out there. And uh, I was trying to get uh, Hal Ramis and Billy Murray to talk together again because they had had a big famous kind of falling out. Now, I hear that that later on, uh, because I wasn't successful, I hear that later later on, uh, Billy Murray and Hal Ramis uh, made peace with each other before Hal Ramis passed, and and that's all that matters. uh, Dutch says this, don't keep uh, vengeance uh, flames burning, is all I'll say. I've, I've learned that lesson a few times. I'd be around the set a lot, trying to get them to uh, talk again, but uh, no, no dice, no dice. The cinematographer of the picture was Laszlo Kovacs, uh, and I, he shot some of my movies in the seventies. Uh, he's got a he's got a long a track record, Laszlo Kovacs. Look him up. Uh, he passed away also in uh, two thousand seven. But um, we uh, it was interesting there because we had some heat between us because uh, I I shot uh, I shot some movies in the seventies with him, uh, including a, a late night special picture, kind of one of those late nights cinema specials called The Heat of the Wood, which many considered nothing more than a stag picture as opposed to some last tango in Paris art, which is what we were trying to do. But looking back, it might have just been a stag picture, if I'm being honest. Uh, Kovacs, like I said, passed away in 2007, but uh, I wasn't allowed to attend his memorial because uh, he also, he was the cinematographer on Easy Rider and his pal Dennis Hopper from Easy Rider days uh, thinks I stole some blow from him at a party at Nicholson's house in 73. I would never do something. Let me tell you something right now. Dutch Allen doesn't do those kind of illicit uh, substances anymore, but even when he did, 
I didn't steal blow from anyone. People stole blow from me. If anyone took blow from anyone, it was Nicholson. And God knows Hopper probably stole some too. I remember some of those parties up in Laurel Canyon, hanging out with Crosby and the rest of the, the band. The mamas and the papas were there. Some of the uh, uh, you know CCR gang there, Crosby and whatnot. And um, I, I sure Hopper stole blow from every one of us. But I don't do any more, and, and none of you should do as well. But because of that, I couldn't, I couldn't go to Kovacs' memorial in uh, 2007 as a regret. But anyway... Multiplicity is a comedy. It's a, it stars Michael Keaton as a man who's just, uh, you know, life is uh, getting in the way. He's so busy, he doesn't have time for his wife, which if uh, my wife's Andy McDowell, I'm making time. You know what I mean? And I'm talking, yeah, I'm talking about Whoopi. Uh, and uh, he's got kids and he's busy. And he can't get them to soccer practice and school. And he's got a job as like a construction foreman and things are, things are going kind of insane there. So uh, he, he wishes uh, upon a star, so to speak, and he meets this kind of crazy professor played by Harris Eulett. Uh He's starred in this picture as well. I love Harris Eulin. I didn't know him too well, but he, Harris Eulin played Wyatt Earp to Stacey Keach's Dark Holiday in 1971's Dark, which I had put some money up for. Uh, I was uh, not a credited producer, but they came to me for some of the money, and I put it up there. And Harris Eulin's always been one of my favorites because of that. And he plays kind of this mysterious uh, professor that shows up and offers uh, uh, Michael Keaton's character uh, a chance to um, a chance to clone himself. And his character's name is Doug. So Michael Keaton agrees and he clones himself uh, with a guy named Lance who's kind of got it together. Uh, and then after that, they do another one because Lance and Doug are getting too busy. So they, they clone a guy named Rico. He's kind of a horn dog. And uh, then the next one, they do a fourth one and his name is Lenny. And he's, he's the dum-dum. And uh, he loves pizza. He, just, he, he puts pizza in a wallet at one point, And it's one of my favorite comedy bits of all time there. And Michael Keaton, and here's the trick. Michael Keaton, uh, who's in the news lately because apparently he's going to be Batman again. Um, and I think that's an interesting choice. I, I, I like that there. They put a lot of different people in that Batman costume. Uh, but I gotta, other than Adam West, I don't really care. But Keaton was all right. Um, and I liked his turn in Mr. Mom, Gung Ho, one of my favorite pictures. I love his work there. Uh, so uh, Keaton plays all four parts. It's unbelievable. Petey, it's unbelievable. Petey, do you believe it? Uh, I mean, I, I've seen it, so yes. Well, hot damn, Petey, you see all the cool pictures. That's just great. Yes, anyway, so Keaton plays all four parts. Each one more brilliant than the last, including that pizza-loving dum-dum version. It's hilarious stuff there. He plays Rico, his horn dog. And he plays Lance, kind of this cool cat. Uh, Eddie McDowell's an angel in it there. Um, I absolutely love it. You guys should check it out. It, it didn't resonate as much with every, everybody. A lot of people compared it to, say, like a movie, another Andy McDowell movie, Groundhog Day, which I think they were trying to go for that, which was also a Harold Ramis picture. I think, and here's the thing here, I think Groundhog Day had a little bit more heart. I think there's heart in multiplicity. Otherwise, Dutch wouldn't be recommending it there. But I think Groundhog Day had a little bit more heart. But Andy McDowell's just a revelation, and Michael Keaton is just a talent. He's just a God-given talent on a level I can't even explain, which is weird because normally people from Pittsburgh, not that talented. But Michael Keaton, oh my God, he's just next level there. Um, and I'm telling you, the way he plays Lenny, the, the dum-dum, just, it just makes me fall out of my chair laughing. Uh, anyways, the final score for this recommendation, 1996, which is not last decade, apparently. It's over 20 years ago. It's uh, three whiskeys out of five. So, clink, clink. 
That's a great recommendation from your old pal, Dutch Allen. Uh, Dutch. Dutch. That was a great segment. Uh, d- What's Dutch. that, Petey? What? Yeah, uh, now, now you can pitch it to a little break. Oh, t- oh, yeah, so sorry. All right, yes, uh, absolutely. Let's go to a quick little break before we come back and wrap things up with my special Hollywood memory segment here on Inside Tinseltown with me, Dutch Allen. Hey, everybody, it's Ken Napsack, and I want to remind you that I've got a new show on Mixcloud called Pop Rock and Radio. Do you love music? I know you do. Then come listen to me on Mixcloud every week. Oh, it's a rock and roll good time. You know, friends, I've spent decades telling dreamers in the Hollywood picture business that their dreams were about to come true, saying those magical words, you've got go picture. Well, I've got a lot of stories, and these are my Hollywood memories. Someone asked me recently if I thought the good old days of Hollywood were gone forever. All of the classic glitz and glamour of the 1940s and 50s, or the new age stars of the 1960s and 70s that helped define the modern templates for bigger stars and bigger films. Uh, the days of the art tours coming out of schools like USC and changing the lives of the next generations, or even the bigger money, bigger hair days of the 80s, and the shoegazing grandeur of the 90s. It still had a wink and a nudge that it was all a fairy tale. Well, in a way, yes, yes, I do think they're gone. And those were the days, my friends. We all hope they would never end. But sometimes, sometimes, time has a way of covering all the old wounds there. The old pains, and the way it was, was never actually what it was. I've been looking out of my breakfast nook window these past few days, watching this city of angels as the unions behind the bottom line folks rallied themselves around the notion that it was time to strike to get what they wanted. A lot of you saw the headlines of the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees threatening this strike. Or maybe it was more of a promise than the threat. Union battles are just that, and the battles, skirmishes, wars. And look, old Dutch here has been a part of many union battles and been part of many unions. I was one of the top producers in my day, of course, and sometimes those unions helped me, and sometimes they hurt me. I try to never trust institutions too much, something my old pal Georgie Lucas helped me understand back in the day when he put that uh, belief into his space opera films. But as I sat there looking out of that nook, and it's a good nook, I couldn't help but think that that land on which my house sits, which now includes a remodeled heated pool because of these nays, man, that's swelling more and more these days, uh, it was my land to have and to hold because of the success of the pictures I've made over the years. And as I looked out my nook, I thought those pictures were dreams that became realities only because of the people that made them so. Oh, sure. Old Dutch had some of the ideas, or I was fortunate enough to find some young hotshot director with a will that needed a way. Or we attached some starlet to the project to get that coveted go picture. But the shows themselves only got made because by the time I showed up to set, those below-the-line superstars had already been there for hours. You see, in those golden ages, we had a tendency to overlook so many things gone wrong in the industry. And those workers at the bottom were always more than a cog in the wheel. They were the foundation the machine was built on. And we stepped all over them on the way to the top. 
Now, to be clear, I never mistreated them. In fact, I love most of them. Uh, one night during the summer of 85, I took a couple of gaffers and a best boy out for dinner after a particularly long day of shooting on location in Chicago. It was a Friday night, and we all woke up in Detroit on Sunday morning. None of us knew how we got there, and we definitely had no idea why Detroit Tigers manager Sparky Anderson was passed out with us. The Tigers didn't get back to the World Series that year, I'll tell you that. And the point is, those good old days made it easier for us to hide the bad. Look, a lot of what's happened in the last few years, workers standing up for themselves, standing up for the rights, standing up for the, the safety. Uh, the workers are standing up for themselves because we didn't. And maybe sometimes we still don't. Things like women standing up for themselves in the industry. They do that because we didn't. People standing up for themselves because we didn't. I think part of the problem is that we all glamorized the grit just as much as the clits. The casting couch became a punchline, a wink-wink to the dirty truth, instead of an indicator of deeper problems. The exploitation became a business strategy. Paying your dues, something that I believe in, got tucked away behind actual abuse. Sure, I miss the good old days, but Dutch Allen has learned a lot in this business of show. And one of the most important notions is the idea that moving forward is better for all of us as opposed to everyone being crushed by the past. Besides, skiing naked with Jack Nicholson during those Aspen winters was only so much fun. But oh, I do wish I could do that one more time. And that's another Dutch Island Hollywood memory. You've got go picture, friends. I'll tell you, it flaps around. When you ski, it flaps around in ways you wouldn't imagine. They're, oh, hey, yeah. Hey, everybody, that was uh, that was a pre-tape segment there. Uh, Hollywood memories, I love doing that there. Love Reflected, thank you for following me on that journey. And thank you for listening here today on this special edition. It's actually officially the 15th edition of Inside Tinseltown with me, Dutch Allen. It's been an absolute pleasure, and I want to thank my producer, Petey. Uh, for all your work today, Petey, take a bow. You did amazing as always. Uh, Dutch, really, it's it's just my job, but it's it's nice to be treated like a like a human being. For what? Well, you deserve it, Petey. We're gonna go get a steak real soon here. Uh, so it's been a lot of fun. Don't forget to follow the show. Uh, support it on Patreon. That's very important uh, to keep the show's lights on there because you're not getting any money out of me. I'll tell you that much there. I might throw a buck or two over there. Don't forget, if you want to follow Caddy Knapsack, he's an okay cat. He's got some problems. He's uh, on social media, Cat Knapsack. But if you're listening and you've stuck around this long, you probably know, you know, all these things. But just, uh, they do the credits on the other show there on Saturday Night Dapsuck. You can listen to those there when you want to. That's it for now. It's been a lot of fun. We'll do this again soon. I'm Dutch Allen, and you've got Go Picture. Inside Tinseltown was produced in front of a live studio audience. <laughs>